and welcome to the Faith and Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the 13th Sunday after Pentecost for the week of August 30th, 2020, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig in this week's podcast, and I'm excited that we are in this cool kind of transitional beginning phase. I know a lot of different congregations and stuff around the country. This is where a lot of people are trying to figure out what are we doing around the academic year, if you want to put it that way, around rally Sundays coming up soon, around confirmation and that type of ordeal, or just different types of education programs. And I would also say, especially being in that world in my job when I'm not doing this, it's hard right now. There's a lot of changes and a lot of things that are having to be done and having to be done differently in ways that are much different than ever before. And as we kind of talked about a little bit last week, I kind of talking about how this is a great opportunity within the church to grow and to have all these new experiences, but it's also really difficult to plan and try to accommodate all these different things that are going on. And I think that's One of the things we have to remember as we're walking through this is that we're all in this together and that there's going to be things that are really hard and really difficult. And and that's one of the parts of walking in faith as we continue to move and God continues to steer where we're going. There's going to be times that we hit these difficult moments that we have to just embrace the family around us and embrace the people around us to be able to help walk us through those difficult times. And as we'll find this week in the gospel text, I think we see that in Peter's life, where Peter last week gets kind of lifted up as the rock on which the church will be built. And as you'll see this week, Peter comes crashing down to almost a different and low. I wouldn't say necessarily his lowest of lows, but definitely a low. And it comes directly after our gospel text from last week. But before we jump into that, we have to do our Twitter question from last week. And the Twitter question from last week is, what type of rock do you feel that you are? If you had to decipher what parts of your faith are different types of rock, igneous, metamorphic, or sedimentary, what would you say? And we got an interesting response this week that I really enjoyed talking about how he feels that he's a sedimentary rock, realizing that so many different events in his life have built to where he is today. And that if that doesn't happen, he's not where he is today, and he knows that more layers are going to be added. What a great way of looking at that. And I would even argue at times, yes, there's sedimentary, but I think there's also parts of us that get almost recycled and become like an igneous rock or transform into something else. It's kind of interesting to look at ourselves as rocks because I think there is a point where we are all three different major types of rocks all at the same time. And the difficult thing is understanding which situation that we're in and which type of rock are we. And do we have to recognize, is this moving towards something else or what's going to happen with this rock and understanding that it's going to continue to be transformed. So let's just jump into it this week. The first reading is out of Jeremiah chapter 15, verses 15 through 21. Really deep text, I feel like, this week. And even just coming from the first verse here, 
O Lord, you know. Remember me and visit me and bring down retribution for me on my persecutors. Jeremiah is getting persecuted from within his own tribe of Israel, but it's this point within him of admitting that, God, you know me better than I know myself and that I am nothing without you and that I am trying to do whatever your will is, even though this is really, really hard right now. I'm doing my best, and please just continue to give me guidance and understand that I'm doing my best. It's a really kind of deep prayer that we're getting here from Jeremiah, understanding that with the weight of what he is going through at this moment, that he is feeling persecution, he is feeling the the stress that sometimes comes with the faith, that being pushed down and saying that I can't do this alone. And this is becoming really hard, but I know that you are with me. The alternative first reading is from Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. And I feel it's a little unfortunate that we drop into the story of Moses right here. So last week we had him as a baby, and now we have him at the burning bush. And there's a little bit that happens on in between there where he grows up and accidentally kills one of the workers his own people, the Israelites, while working under Pharaoh. And so he flees. And so he is out in the middle of nowhere. And that's where God appears to him in the burning bush. And he gets told that this is holy ground. He, God is kind of telling him to go back and to talk to Pharaoh. And he doesn't feel good about this for multiple reasons. Because he killed an Israelite, how am I supposed to lead these people of Israel? They're going to remember who I am. They're going to want my head type of idea. God kind of comforts him there. And then God's also saying, I want you to go in front of Pharaoh. And what am I supposed to say to him? God responds in verse 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This idea of he being the great I am and just saying that I am sent you. So this powerful, where we start getting the words for God, the I am. And so this begins this relationship more deeply between God and Moses. And we continue to hear this back and forth dialogue where Moses doubts his inner strength so much in Exodus, but it is so powerful to see what he is able to do when, again, he puts his trust in God. And yet this is still a struggle, a wrestle, but he gets through it. The psalm this week is Psalm 26, verses 1 through 8. This is a really cool psalm, again, of giving thanks, but in a way of understanding how great the gifts are that God has given the psalmist here that God dwell in me and understanding that you have provided all these things for me. So let me try to walk that out the best that I possibly can. Understanding it's going to be difficult, but please be with me and guide me as I walk through this. A beautiful little psalm this week. Make sure to check that out. The second reading is from Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. This is Paul now continuing to go through and how there's going to be suffering. There's going to be things that are difficult with this. And especially he's talking to the Christians in Rome, how he's wanting to go there. They're being persecuted against, against the Roman Empire. But just hang fast, hang fast. And I like how Paul goes in here and starts talking about how 
the love that God has shown to us, make sure you're showing to your brothers and sisters and making sure that you are working together to move forward in the right direction, that together we are able to do this. The beautiful part of that to me is just kind of seeing the reliance in that, the reliance on working together just like we have a reliance in our faith on God. So it's I think it's a very beautiful passage, and I will say this passage influenced a little bit of where we're going this week with the science tie-in. The gospel text this week picks up right where we left off last week. This is from Matthew's gospel in the 16th chapter, verses 21 through 28. Jesus is then talking to his disciples, telling about how he's going to go to Jerusalem and that he's going to have to suffer and is kind of telling what's going to happen here. So remember, he had just we had gotten the proclamation from Peter that you are the Messiah. So as Jesus is telling him about you know, I'm going to be killed. I am going to rise. It's going to be at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes are the ones who are going to put me to death. Peter pulls him aside and in the Greek kind of violently like, no, Lord, like there's no way you're going to go through this. There's no way you're going to do this. And we get in verse 23, he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block for me. For you are setting your mind not on divine things, but human things. And then he continues on talking about how we have to continue to keep our eyes focused on kingdom work and where God is going and not be consumed with where we emotionally, physically, spiritually think we are. We're trying to connect with the Holy Spirit spiritually to understand where God is trying to take us. So this idea of what is it if you gain the whole wide world, but it it doesn't mean anything. The meaning of where Christ is coming from is this connection with the Father and where the Father is steering you to go and understanding the kingdom tie-in with that. So before we jump into how faith and science come together, we have to do our shameless plug, Oh. Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainwaves podcasts, their commentaries, their discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis. Being able to listen to their Sermon Brainwaves podcast with four different seminary professors, along with commentaries written by a variety of biblical scholars, along with multiple different discussions. If you haven't checked out workingpreacher.org, I'd highly recommend it. Suffering. What does it really mean to suffer? I would argue in all of our lives, there is some point where we suffer, whether it pain emotionally or physically, whether it be from financial situations, whether it be from just life decisions that we've made. Suffering is part of our human experience. But one of the difficult things as I look at this text coming in the 21st century is I have so many things to try to prevent suffering. If I'm feeling some ache or pain, I pop a pill and it takes care of my pain, my suffering, at least for a while, or tries to relax it so that I don't have to think about it. How many conveniences do we find in life that we are going through. And as we're in this weird time of 2020, some of what we're discussing 
socially is suffering and how that's affected some people and not affected other people as much. And we're not going to dive into that with the faith and science this week, but it's a human part of us. It's a big part of the human experience, but this isn't unique to us. As I was thinking about this, I tried figuring out some of these different animals that have gone through suffering and stumble across two examples this week that show it early on in life. And I think that's beautiful for us to understand that early on in life, there are a lot of suffering, but also remembering that in our faith, we are always considered children of God. We are not adults yet. We are still children. So thus, we are still stumbling along. So the first example I have this week is a giraffe. Now, most of you have probably heard of a giraffe and maybe have even seen one at the zoo. But if you're looking at an adult giraffe, a female is about 14 feet tall and the males are between 18 and 19 feet tall. So when their young are born, they are born at six feet tall and they're born there on the ground, but one of the first things that they struggle with is they have to learn to stand up and be able to walk and run extremely quickly. And this is a big part of that because they are predators around, so they can't sit still. They have to be able and willing to move right away. And even as they grow and develop, they have this issue of being small. Part of the advantage of being tall is you can see your predators. You can see around. You can be able to be watchful. The problem with being six feet tall when you're going to grow bigger is that you're not that height yet and you maybe can't see as well. The grass is still pretty high in the African savanna where these giraffes are, so they maybe can't see as far to see potential predators. And even Initially, these giraffes are dependent on their mother because the first at least four months and can continue on a little bit after that, but the first four months is 100% nursing off the mother. And as they slowly move to solid food after that, but they will continue to nurse for upwards to about a year or a little more, give or take. The other issue with being a giraffe and six feet tall is where do you eat? Typically, giraffes eat near the tops of trees, but when you are six feet tall, you can't do that. You have to depend as you are growing and you're not that full developed height yet on your parent to be able to bring down those branches so that you can eat the sustenance that you're going to need to grow. This is, again, dependence on a parent. And as you go through this, at some point, the parent will decide you are full grown. The males at about 15 months will leave the herd of giraffes that they've been traveling with that have been protecting them because now they are adults. And they'll leave with another group of males to set up their own herd and look for additional females. Females typically will stay with the herd and will maybe leave somewhere around 18 months, somewhere in that neighborhood. 
But this whole idea of, again, they have to reestablish themselves. And it's not easy being a giraffe. A lot of violence of throwing your neck if you're a male to set up dominance and as a display for females because that's attractive to them. It's hard being a giraffe. But another one that I would argue is equally as difficult is being a hippopotamus. (laughs) Hippopotamus do live birth and they're, again, will travel hippos will travel in herds. And if you haven't seen video before, hippos are actually a fairly violent creature. They're not just this humble cow, yes, cow-like animal, but they're not like our domesticated cow. They are a violent creature. And at times, even within the herd, there will be disruptions. But when a female hippo is pregnant and then when she is feeling like she is coming due, she will kind of separate some from the herd to spend some time alone to give birth. And she can give birth either on land or in water. And if she gives birth in water, one of the first things that she has to do is go down and be able to push that hippo up so that it can take its first breath of air. Now, yet again, this hippo, young hippo, has a lot to learn because hippos spend a lot of time in the water, so it has to learn to swim and learn to swim well and quickly. Two, mother isn't always going to make life easy. So, after a couple weeks of bonding, they will return to the herd, but mom is not necessarily just going to go on land every time that her young is going to want to nurse. So this hippo has to learn to swim enough to be able to get underneath mom underwater and nurse and then still get out from underneath mom to swim up to get the breath of air that it needs. In all that, if there is a disruption, it can get really dangerous. The water is really choppy and suddenly there's a fight between two other hippos and they can get caught up in between that. It's hard and dangerous just growing up being a hippo. And yet again, when you're that small and you aren't fully developed, you are prey for lots of different types of creatures. Again, like jaguars or lions looking for a young hippo that isn't with the herd or has a moment of vulnerability that it pounces on. Why do I bring these two stories up with the story of Peter? It's really interesting when you compare this story to when Jesus isolates and gets tempted by Satan because Jesus sends Satan away. And here he's telling Peter to get behind him. Why? I picked this up from Pastor Corey Furman as we were going through this text. And one of the things that he pointed out was he's a disciple. And last week we have this high statement of Peter of you're going to build the church. I'm building my church on you, Peter. He may have gotten his ego inflated a bit. Here, Peter then tries pulling him aside and saying, Jesus, if you are going to go through all this suffering and pain, this isn't going to be good for your ministry plan. This isn't exactly the way about doing it. If we're going to be successful, you kind of need to stay alive. You kind of need to continue to grow in popularity so that we can continue to make this movement and build this movement going forward. 
Peter was trying to lead. Jesus says, no, get behind me, Satan. You're focusing on human things, not divine things. You are focusing on the here and now. You're not focusing on my kingdom work and where I am trying to steer you. If a young hippo or a young giraffe decides to leave the herd, can they really provide for themselves? Can they really support themselves? Do they really know what they are doing? No. They don't have the protection. They haven't grown enough to be able to protect themselves. They haven't grown enough for a giraffe to eat well enough. They are dependent on their parent. Peter, as a disciple, and us as disciples of Jesus, we are dependent on our Father, Jesus, and God to steer us on where we are supposed to go. And we are seen as children of God. We are not adults of God. No matter how old we get, we are still learning what it means to be that. We are still growing. We are still learning what we need to be able to do. We are still around the protection of our siblings, our brothers and sisters, but also around God and Jesus or our parents in this case. One of the ways that this really influenced what I was talking about when I was saying that with the Romans text is that when Paul is talking about that we then have to work together, if you're enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will keep burning coals on their heads. That This idea of that we have to continue to work together even if we're not getting along. And that's coming from verse 20, coming from verse 16, jumping up a little bit further. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. This idea of when you are in a herd, we all are working together. We all have to support each other. We all have to look out for danger. We all have to make sure of what we're seeing and protecting each other because we're all valuable. Just like a herd of giraffes are going to still try to protect each other, just like a herd of hippos are still going to try to protect each other. Yes, there might be infighting, but they also know that they still have to be part of the herd to be able to protect each other because they are vulnerable by themselves. Why does the mother hippo leave the herd to bond, that make this bond with this young hippo? Part of that bond is that when that young hippo can't keep swimming anymore, young hippos will get on the backs of their mother and catch a ride as they are still growing and developing, but also realizing that mom is safe. Brothers and sisters, Jesus calling out Peter was probably a shot to his ego, but it was also helping him understand where God was taking this ministry, where God was steering him to so that he was developed enough to become the foundation, the rock on which to build the church. He wasn't ready, just like we're not ready in this time. In a world where there is tons of chaos at this time, we have to remember that we are still all not that much different than a herd of hippos. We are not that much different than a herd of giraffes. If we are going to be able to do anything, we have to be able to work together and see beyond our differences. Just like giraffes will swing their necks at each other to establish dominance and find a mate to, to mate with, does not mean that they still don't continue to be in a herd together. They need each other. Jesus didn't cast Peter 
out of the group of disciples. He didn't tell him to be left on the side of the road. He just told him to make sure that he wasn't leading when he wasn't supposed to be leading yet, that he was there to be a follower. The Twitter question this week will be, if we are a herd of people, how do we make sure that we are hearing everyone in the herd? If we are a herd of people, how do we make sure that we are hearing everyone in the herd? Because we can know that herds are protecting all of us. A herd of giraffes is looking for the predators. They're trying to watch out and they're trying to teach all of us so that all the giraffes can survive. The hippos are in a group trying to protect themselves together. We are a huge herd of people scattered all over this globe. How are we making sure that we are protecting each other? Coming from a biological standpoint, we're not any different than any other species on the face of the planet. And there have been plenty of other species that have disappeared from this face of the planet. How do we make sure that we are working together so that we don't disappear from this planet? I would argue it takes a lot of cooperation. It takes a lot of working together. It takes a lot of listening to God. It takes a lot of us humbling ourselves and making sure that we aren't leading when we aren't supposed to be leading making sure that there are times that we are listening because Peter pulls God aside and tells him what he should be doing and then God tells him, no, this is what you're supposed to be doing. And then he didn't just stop with Peter. He talked to the other disciples and what's the point of what he's doing so that they can learn from it, so that they all could move forward. It's the beauty of when science works, that's what it is. We all work together as a group of scientists to be able to move something forward. So that's for the betterment of mankind as a whole. For the betterment of humankind as a whole. And hopefully, for the betterment of our globe, our earth, our solar system, our universe as a whole. Because one of the things also that we have to consider is, is the herd that we are part of, not just human, because we are the creation of the Creator's hand. And to Him, we are all one herd of various, various different kinds. And if that's the case, I hope we are learning from all of God's creation so that we then can better understand who our Creator is and who our Creator wants us to be. We'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science. <laughs>